What's going on, good people? It's your host, Jono the Giant, with my boy, JV, welcoming you to another episode of the Giant Fundamentals Podcast, where we discuss black male issues, growing and healing, and getting on the other side of greatness. Now, before you even tune in, please leave a rating and review, and do not forget to subscribe. Mr. Jelly Vabal, what's going on, brother? JTG. What's going on, kid? What's good? We got a little Haitian special today. It's special. Thinka, thinka, pong, pong. That boy's still eating Thanksgiving food, boy. Shit. <laughs> Yippee. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome, bro. How has your week been? Um... It was good. Okay. It was a good week, man. Um, anything anything particular that stood out to you? Man, rest? Yeah. Yes. Amen. Nah, man, like, I realized, yo, I have a poor relationship with rest. I don't feel like a lot of Americans do, period. Yeah, we don't believe it. it we, we, we feel less of ourselves if we always... Ex- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, this week, man, mm. I was able to... Uh, I took... Uh, Thursday and Friday off, which is amazing. And you know what the crazy thing is? Yeah. So I could take days off of my job anytime I want. But I, I just, I'm just very hesitant on doing that. You know, that's a mental hack, right? Like some corporations that have unlimited PTO. Yeah. They realize that the uh, their employees actually take less PTO when it's unlimited. Yeah. Versus yeah. when the general fourth. That's crazy. Usually you give me 14 days, I'm trying to take 15. Mm-hmm. You give me unlimited, I'm I'm hesitant to take one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy, bro. That's crazy. I definitely rested a lot myself. I just, you know, from the last podcast, I told you I was being present was my thing, um, for the week. And right before this, I went to a park by my house. Shouts out to Three Mountains Park, and. uh took off my sandals i just wanted to do some like grounding techniques i I walked barefoot through the grass Mm. nice went up the little hills saw the little different bees and stuff like just feel the nature and you know i was hesitant because at first like we go through these things in our mind i was like i don't want to take off my shoes what if i get a cut and (laughs) you know what i mean like i'm catastrophizing walking barefoot in, yeah. in the dirt and it was funny it was as i'm walking and i was listening to uh one of my favorite albums is Aaliyah, uh more than a woman album and that boy took it back to Aaliyah. Damn. yeah 2001 because you know her music wasn't always on apple music so mm. i'm listening that's the album with rock the boat and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yep. So i'm just listening to it walking like i'm feeling like india Irie, you know walking through the grass <laughs> barefoot and then I stepped right into a freaking mud puddle. Oh, dang. So I'm like, oh, shoot. But it felt good to be connected to the nature in that way. Yeah. Um, Just feeling the mud through my feet, stepping in the grass, the rocks. Mm-hmm. Got to the top of the hill, seeing nature. Man, I was just, I climbed a tree. I ain't did that since, like, Oak Grove. You know what I mean? Like. I climbed the tree barefoot, feeling like Tom Sawyer. You know what I mean? Like, 
it was just great. Tom Sawyer. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it was just it was just great to like do that. So to your point about rest, man, like that was restful for me. Mm. You know, it was active rest. And it, it was it was great to uh to experience that. Um and I think we just all need to do more of that. That's tight, bro. Yeah, get get in the nature. Mm-hmm. And not just get in nature, but actually connect with the earth. Right. Man, we just forget. Some of us don't even realize that we come from the earth. Like, right. There's a spiritual connection, like, between yeah. us and the earth. So, really getting to feel the earth like that. Like, sometimes what I'll do if I go to the park or something, mm-hmm. and I'm meditating. As I'm meditating, I'll take, like, some dirt in my hands or, like, a, a leaf oh. or something like that, and I'll just rub on it. And wow. just focus on the rubbing, just focus and just, yo, there's so much you feel when you do that. But like, dang, I didn't really realize that the dirt feels like this. I didn't realize that plants mm. feel this way. And it's wow. because we don't take time to actually sit down and connect with the things around us. I mean, it's hard for us to be, we all, we be all in a room with each other. Right. And everybody's chilling and everybody's on their phones. Everybody's on their phones. So we have a hard time connecting with each other. So. We're not even thinking about connecting with Earth. <laughs> That's funny. I went to a, I was at a, a lounge last night um, down in um, down in Brickell, downtown Miami. You know, you know Miami is the new hotspot for all these billionaires. Mm-hmm. So we were in the elevator, and it was like probably twenty five of us in the elevator, and no one had their phones out. Twenty five. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Of, it was a That's big a, great elevator. Must have um, been a big one. Yeah, it was and we was in Brickell, was going to one of the a rooftop lounge and it's on like the fiftieth floor. So we're going up and they were like we were applauding ourselves because nobody had their phone out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was it was just so funny. Um and you know, there was some some girls that were influencers influencers in the back and um it was like, well, we took our pictures before we got on the elevator. So it was like, ah, you guys ruined the experience. <laughs> but to your point, it's like everyone always has like their phones out and just connecting to nature. Even going to the beach and just putting your hands in the sand, bro. Yes. Like, listening yes. to the waves. Yes. So that's good that you brought that up. Because I know you be trying to act like you crocodile Dundee. Boy, <laughs> 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 you chasing alligators, crocodile, deer. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all just be finding them, dog. That's it. When you go out in nature, uh-huh. in a time where it's still and quiet, you're going you're gonna to see things you've never seen before. Yeah, that's true. And that's, and that's just a life lesson in general. Some of us, so many of us are trying to gain the success, chase success or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize that if we really just sit still yeah. and just reflect, and just go at a, a specific pace, it's all going to come to us. Because yeah. there's something that happens when you sit still in, 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 in solitude and in, in peace and quiet. Yo, the things that come to the mind is crazy. I remember when I heard Bill Gates goes into like the woods or something like that for like three yeah. straight, no technology, no phone, nothing like that. He just goes and he just reads books and he just, I'm like, dang. Yeah. That's, wow. That's you know? amazing. That's the power of like sitting in solitude. Right, right. So I'm guessing your giant gratitude this week is rest. Absolutely, one million percent rest. <laughs> my giant, 
That's all. Trying to rest, bro. That's my new Got thing you. now. I'm just trying to rest. I already, already, t- already, um, already uh, put two days, two Wednesdays, the first two Wednesdays off in January. I'm taking those days off. Awesome. Why am I taking it off? I don't know. I just need a rest. Yeah, and everybody, make sure you take off January 8th so you can get four Mondays in a row off. <laughs> I definitely did that. Awesome. <laughs> uh, my giant gratitude would have to be discernment. Mm. Um, man, I'm so grateful, uh, so thankful for discernment. Doesn't mean I make all, I don't make perfect decisions. No one does. We all don't make the right decisions. But just to be able to listen to your gut and react to that. And decide what's best for your life, man. I'm just grateful for it. Mm-hmm. I'm just grateful for it. And that is part of what I want to talk to you about today is because, you know me, my mission is to get everybody I know in therapy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yo, guys, get into therapy. Start doing therapeutic things. Like, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to, as I start to raise, raise my awareness, I want everyone around me to start raising that awareness too, right? For sure. And I had a friend reach out to me and he was like, it finally hit him, right? Mm. He was like, man, he said, I'm ashamed to kind of say this, but it's like, you know, your girl or your homeboy could be telling you same information all the time and somebody else might say it, but then it's not until like the third times another person says it, yeah. it really hits. Yeah. And it's like, now you're like woke to the information. Yeah. And it's like, now you just see life from a different lens. For sure. And the first thing I want to ask you is, his struggle was, he was like, all this time I thought I was chasing happiness, but it's like I was really chasing the truth from my life. And I, I feel like, he said he felt like he's been lied to all this time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what should he be chasing? Is it the happiness or is it the truth? Mm. Should it be chasing happiness or truth? First of all, you shouldn't be chasing anything. Mm. That's that. That's that thing that we be on, boy. We be chasing, chasing. We shouldn't yeah. be chasing anything, man. And and in regards to mm-hmm. whether it is happiness or truth. Happiness is truth, and truth is happiness. That's what that's what I say. <laughs> Let me, that's what, you know what I'm saying. That's because I said, I said, don't get it confused, right? Because this is what we do as human beings. We take truth that is relevant to another person or another situation, and make it an absolute. Yeah. You said it earlier this week. You said you could have 10 people in the same situation and you're going to have 10 different outcomes. Yeah. 10 different realities. Yep. Shout out to Dr. Strange. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's that's what it really is. And when I explained that to him, I was like, you have to find the truth for you. Yeah. And lies the happiness. Yeah. So the main question he had was, because I broke it down further and I was like, it's just like the movie The Matrix, right? I said, Neo, Lawrence Fishburne or Morpheus didn't force Neo to choose his truth. Yeah. He just gave him the information 
and say, you pick. Yeah. You choose the red pill or the blue pill. So then my friend asked me, he was like, does, I feel like I'm making that decision now mm-hmm. where I'm choosing to exit the matrix and I'm, 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 I'm choosing the right thing for me. Yeah. But does everyone have that choice? Mm-hmm. Like, does everyone choose or am I just special? Am I privileged? Mm. So what do you say to that? Does everyone get to choose? When I share my story of navigating through drug and gang violence in my community as a kid, dropping out of high school, to speaking to over 100 juvenile detention centers and schools in the country, sharing my story in countries like Haiti and Malawi, Africa, and becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist, People always ask me, how did I do it? If you want to know so you can make massive change in your life as well, click the link in the show notes to my book, When Giants Get Fed Up, From Anger to Ambition. And once you've read it, please feel free to leave me a rating and review. I believe everyone does get to choose. But everyone's choice will look different based off of the context that they're in. Mm. Like, as an African-American male of Caribbean descent, living in the United States, my choice to be free may look different from someone who lives in a third world country that has been slave, that has been enslaved. Mm. That person's choice may and will look different from mine. Yeah. And I think what we don't realize is that, let's go back to the happiness part. You have to choose to be happy. Mm. Regardless of your circumstances, situation, you have to choose to be happy. Yeah. So <clears throat> really you're just doing the best that you can with what you have. But more than that, it's an internal thing. Yeah. And I told him that. I said, I said, you bring up a great point. I said, it's an internal thing. It's your fight. It's not for you to go in crusade and try to get people to understand, validate, or accept your truth. Mm-hmm. You have to accept mm-hmm. it so, mm-hmm. so it was like, but what about the people that don't choose, right? Like, what about the people that's like, they're like, like you, because in his mind was going crazy because he's hype, right? He's mm-hmm. like, man, I, I was like, bro, ball is life. I was like, right now, it's like you watching film and you starting to see all the holes from the game tape. Yeah. And you can't wait to the next game because you about to, yeah, right? But now you're going to start to encounter people. And when you when you're on this journey of healing, and being woke to your circumstances and choosing happiness, you see those red flags immediately. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you see them approaching you, and the first thing, especially us being Haitian, we want to correct everyone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So he has that knee jerk reaction. So then he's mm-hmm. like, "What about those people that constantly self sabotage their lives? Mm-hmm. Are they not? Did they not get a choice? Why are they not choosing?" Let me finish doing here. No, that's fine. Go ahead. (laughs) 
Go ahead, Big Papa. <laughs> but um, everybody chooses. Not choosing is a choice. Hey. Wow. That's true. Yeah. It's not, you, bro, everybody chooses. Mm-hmm. Everyone chooses, bro. Yeah, because not, not choosing. choosing is you making. That's you making a choice. Mm-hmm. And I told him that. I said, and he shared with me. He said he realized in this all happening to him, he realized that his fear of going to therapy, his main fear of going to therapy is now that he feels like they, everything I thought that was the, the truth for me is actually not. And I want to like rediscover myself, but I'm scared if I go to therapy, the therapist is going to bring up some stuff that I'm going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, understanding your perspective, now thinking about that person that you feel is not making a choice, that's exactly the roadblock that they're dealing with. Exactly. Right? So it's like, you have to be careful. And, and man, people, yo, I hope our audience takes this message and, and really, like, digest it, right? We have to stop being so judgmental. Like, it's so much judgment. Like, oh, you know, Jay-Z this, and Beyonce's that, and Jada this, and oh, Diddy's doing that, or this pastor did this. and I'm like, Bro, stop with the judgment. Stop. Stop. Like you said, everyone has a choice. Everyone has some truth to it. Every Everyone has has different nuances that they're dealing with, and you have to choose what's right for yourself. Yeah. It's easier to judge because, one, most of us judge ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, two, judging just really, when you're judging somebody else, it literally, it just takes, it just, uh, how can I say it? it? It doesn't really do it, but in our minds, we think it, that's what's happening. It takes the responsibility away from us to deal with our own stuff. Mm. That's, that's what it is. So that's why it's just a natural thing. Like, we all do it. Everyone judges. It's just... We naturally, we naturally do it, and um, <clears throat> it just it takes the light off of us. <laughs> everyone, everyone wants to be the star. Everyone wants the light to be sh- shined on them. But when it's time for you to deal with your mess, nobody wants that light. Everybody wants that light on somebody else. For sure, and it's funny you say that because he was talking about how he watched a video on how a narcissist chooses a partner. Mm -hmm. Right. And it talked about how when a narcissist chooses a partner, they see you in a certain light. Right. And then it's like them looking in a mirror. And then after some time, that mirror becomes shattered. Mm -hmm. Right. Or that perfect light they saw you in is dimmed. And now they reject you. Right. These are for the narcissists that overlove you at first. And then they they dismiss you later on in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So he was like, yeah, it's like, damn, it's like a mirror that's shattered. And now they don't like what they see and they move on to the next partner. Right. Yeah. And I said, I said, yo, but check it. I said, we all kind of deal with that. The mirror is a symbol is symbolic to show that we're a reflection. That relationship is a reflection of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our partner is shedding a light on the on the parts of ourselves that we don't like. Mm-hmm. And then we start to think the grass is maybe greener on the other side, mm-hmm. right? 
So he was like, dang, you're breaking this stuff down. You're talking about that. And I want you to talk about like the process and the journey of pain plus reflection equals progress, right? The journey of going back to your programming and then reprogramming yourself and what that looked like for you. Oof, man, that, man, listen, <laughs> that thing, when you're talking about trying to reprogram yourself mm-hmm. and un- unlearning and undoing all the things that you were taught, it is a painful process, man. Yeah. Because, like your boy said, it's like you're looking at it like, yo, it seemed like everything that I was taught, everything that I thought was, is a lie. Mm-hmm. But then if you're going to stretch out for that truth, or for the truth, or for your truth, however you want to say it, when you're stretching out for that truth, you got to understand, as you're stretching out for that truth, pain is right at the front doorstep before you access that truth. Mm -hmm. You can't gain truth without pain. And pain and reflection equals progress, or you could take progress out and you could put the truth there. And what I realized, and we just, when you talk about, I just, simple, you think about sports. Yeah. I remember seeing something with Kobe. When was the last championship he won after Shaq left? I think it was 2001, 2001, or 2002. After Shaq Shaq left? No, 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 no. Before Shaq left, I'm sorry. Before Shaq left. Yeah, it was like 2002? No, 2003. 2003? Yeah. Yeah, 2003. Yeah, because 2004, they lost to the Pistons. Yeah. Okay. So I saw a graphic... It was like, okay, 2004, they lost to the Pistons. Mm-hmm. 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008. He go, he finally gets back to the finals in 2008. Yeah. Gets so- smashed by the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And then comes back and wins it in 2009 and 2010. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, knowing who Kobe was... Mm-hmm. As a competitor, seeing him from afar, man, you know those years that he was at the bottom tier of the NBA mm-hmm. was killing him. Yeah, there was a lot of pain involved in that process. Like he literally went five years, six years without getting a chip. Yeah, I mean there were a few years. Wasn't even making it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So there, but in that process, there was a lot of learning and unlearning that he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I remember him talking about how Magic Johnson was telling him, like, yo, you gotta bring the team together, you gotta talk to them like this, you gotta be more, you know. Magic Johnson pretty much was giving him his blueprint on how to be a leader and how to lead a team to a championship. Right. But guess what? That was Magic's truth. Mm. That worked for him. And Kobe said, like, yo, he tried to do that stuff. It didn't work for him. He said that's probably one of the reasons why they lost in 2008 because to the Celtics because he wasn't holding his teammates accountable 
the way that he knows how to hold teammates and people accountable. He wasn't living his truth. But you see, there was a pain associated for him to get back to his truth. So what, as a therapist, how do you help clients figure out? Because I see people who create boundaries to protect them from the pain. Yeah. So how do you navigate that as a therapist? Oh, how do I know? Okay, so we talk about boundaries, creating boundaries for self-protection. Really, all I do, and I just, honestly, I just take concepts. Like, okay, we talk about boundaries. I just, okay, let's break down boundaries. What we have to first, def- we have to first see as a therapist, I'm, I'm looking to see, okay, how does this person define boundaries? Mm. Because in that definition will show me what you believe about boundaries. Not only will it show me what you believe about boundaries, but it will also give me a good picture as to why you use boundaries the way that you do. Correct. Because, and I'm, I'm talking for myself, especially now learning how to really use boundaries to my benefit, like understanding what boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- at first, when I was building boundaries, it was to protect me from a certain pain, right? And then as I realized, I was like, no, that's that's an avoidant behavior, mm-hmm. right? Then I had to work through my triggers. I had to work through that pain, like you said. And I realized that now because I'm living more in my truth, I don't necessarily need certain boundaries. Those walls can be lowered because I know who I am and I'm not going to be swayed by the peanut gallery or different mm-hmm. uh, other people's truth. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. But I think a lot of people are stuck between those two realities, right? Mm-hmm. So think about a boundary. Mm-hmm. If you think about a boundary, if you uh, an element of creating a boundary is to protect from pain. Mm, okay. That is a part of it. But mm-hmm. the ultimate the ultimate reason why we want to use boundaries is because we're trying to preserve relationships. Okay. Okay. And here and here's why I say that. Cuz this happens to this this has been happening to me for a while and I'm just now realizing that. Mm-hmm. So I would <laughs> I'm everybody's therapist. Well, I used yeah. to be. Okay? I used to be everybody's therapist, whether it is my spouse, whether it is my friends, whether mm-hmm. it is siblings, whether it is cousins, whoever co-workers i'm everyone's therapist okay and because i've become everyone's therapist what ends up happening is i create a dynamic in that relationship with that person so that they always feel comfortable to come tell me about certain things that are happening right but after some time i'm everyone's therapist and then i'm actually a legitimate therapist that's what i do for a living right i get so bogged down i get so burdened and mm-hmm. as a result, I become irritable because I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. everybody's coming to me with their stuff. That's what it feels like. Everyone right. is coming to me with their stuff, but I don't really have anybody that I can go to with mm-hmm. my stuff. Right. And what ends up happening is now I start to become resentful in those relationships. Mm-hmm. I start to resent those relationships. I start to want to get away from those relationships. Yeah, And what I realized is that it's not the person's fault. 
because mm. I'm the one that opened that door. Right. I'm the one that created and initiated that dynamic. But which is not necessarily a bad thing, but something that's too much always becomes a problem. So now sure. I realize that, yo, if I don't, if, if I really want to preserve relationships in my life and make relationships healthier, then I have to create a boundary mm-hmm. and be like, sometimes just tell the person, yeah, I'm not, I'm not able to speak right now. Right. Or I just can't help you. That's not something I can help you with. Right. Or honestly, sometimes just don't pick up the phone. Got you. Just don't pick it up. <laughs> and it's not anything malicious is that I have to be able to one, understand that if I don't start doing these things, mm-hmm. then it's going to cause resentment on my end towards that person or those people. Mm-hmm. And then what's going to end up happening is I'm not going to want to deal with them. And then I'm going to get burnt out in other areas. Now, as a real therapist, I'm not going to really have enough for my clients. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have enough for my kids mm-hmm. because my energy is so depleted. So again, boundaries is is not only protecting the relationship but it's also preserving my energy wow and i'm seeing that now i'm like okay but as before i used to be like i used to just cut people up like nope i ain't dealing with you nope Uh and i'm like yo that's not that's not healthy right but i just felt like dane i don't see anything else for me to do but again i had to look into myself and i'll be like yo how do how am I viewing boundaries? Why do I use them this way? And and of course, talking to my therapist and talking to other people, I realized, oh, okay, like the responsibility is on me to create those boundaries so I don't feel a certain type of way and then end up like ghosting the person. No, that's awesome. Side note, is regret resentment towards self? Yeah. Ooh. That just yeah. came to mind as you was breaking that down. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. I never thought about that, but the moment you said it, it's like, yep. Yep. Like, yo, living in the seat and anchoring yourself in regret, bro, you're literally saying, I hate myself. I hate myself for for the decisions I made that didn't go the way that I felt as if they should have gone. And as wow. a result, you don't realize what you're doing is you're stripping yourself from the human experience. You're trying to be perfect. Wow. Damn. So yeah. I feel like you, 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 we broke down the first step, like the healing journey, like the awareness, the awakeness, realizing. The awakeness, you know, yeah. that's not a word, but oh, you know, that's fine. I'm, I'm going to say it for you now because some people going to listen to the podcast, a.k.a. my wife, and going to be like, oh, that's, that's not fine. Tell, tell a Webster my cousin. <laughs> like, like, what's up? Like, I could do this. That's what I do. You know what I mean? I'm woke. <laughs> I'm so, woke and well. Exactly. So you so, can go to hell. <laughs> but uh you know, we, we 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 like I said, we get through the awakeness, right? And then now we start to reprogram ourselves, reprogram ourselves, figure out the truths for ourselves. Yeah. Then you know, and in that you build in those boundaries, you lower those boundaries, you figure yeah. out your triggers. This is the part that I always gets stuck in, right? It's the third step of healing, right? And I remember you sent me a video on this. Is now going out and taking chances, living life, and seeing how much healing you actually did. 
this that that is tough to sit there and say, hey, I did my yoga. I'm spiritual now. I read all these books. I did my therapy. I got my boundaries. I'm like too far. Fuck the world. I'm vibing. Now I got to go in the world and test every single thing that I was doing. Mm. That is hard. How do you navigate? Like, what is the first step? Like, how do you navigate your clients to do that? Because it feels like you're like undoing everything you just did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the main thing, man, is oh, well, my clients, I just, I, I try to know them enough to know what may be too much and what may, what may not be challenging enough. Mm. But, in, but regardless, cause sometimes, yeah, I, I give them things that may be too challenging mm-hmm. um, without realizing it, but that's, that's a part of the testing. Yeah. But the one I lead with, it's like, yo, uh, self-compassion because mm. that, I feel like that happened recently. Dang. What was it? I don't know if it was a client or somebody that I knew they felt, they felt bad. They're like, dang, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that. This and that and that. And I'm like, what did you learn from it? Mm. What did you gain from it? As long as you're gaining from the experience, it's a good experience. Wow. That and, and but we're so stuck on the black and white. Like, oh man, I was trying to do this. I'm like, bro, literally, you you've been a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. Let's say thirty plus years. Yeah. You've been a certain type of way, and now that you have this new information and you practice it one time, you practice it two times, and you don't get it perfectly. Like, do you know that doesn't make any sense? It's like asking a, a three-year-old to get on a bike with with no training wheels and just ride it so smoothly, so fast. It's like you never got on it before. Right. That's where self-compassion comes into the picture. Some of us, to use your example, some of us buy the bike and we ride the bike so much with training wheels that we get comfortable and we never want to take that step to ride it without the training wheels. Yeah, because after some time, the training wheels become a safe place because we know if we take the training wheels off, we feel as if we take the training wheels off, our anxiety is going to be at an all-time high. We're not going to be able to function. Wow. Yeah. And we're going to re-traumatize ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when you're taking the training wheels off, mm-hmm. listen, you, you got to take the training wheels off some sometime if not you're going to live a shell of your life you're not going to again you're not going to get to a, another level of experiencing life so if you want to be able to take the training wheels off or let me say this if you want to be able to experience life at a certain level but you're afraid to take the training wheels off that's where community comes into the picture that's okay. where the right people in your life come into the picture be like you know all right i'm gonna be here with you as you take the training wheels off like yeah i did it before yeah, it could be a little scary, but look, this is what you do. This is where you get the guidance from. This is where you get the emotional support, the 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 crowd to encourage you and, and to, to push you. And in your experience, because therapists are people too, right? Um, is it up to the therapist to know when those training wheels need to come off? Or is it the responsibility of the client? Like, how was that? Because you say you do test them to see what is challenging and what is too challenging. Um, but I know for me, my therapist, he he always felt that 
I was I was able enough to take those risks and not basically kill myself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know enough. We've been doing this enough. Whereas, like, you know the process you need to take to rework yourself or to bring yourself back to center mm -hmm. if anything were to go wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you... Like, what is the defining moment in therapy where you know a client is ready to do that or should do that, where you're not becoming a, cl a crutch? Oh, man. That... Man, that that's the thing about when you when you're a good therapist, mm -hmm. I notice that it's a natural thing for clients to want to make you their crutch, mm. because you really become their safe place. Yeah, and I think it's you have to. I mean, for me, I just use that to my advantage. I just use it to my advantage as being a safe place, and I personally, when I feel as if they're ready, I just say, hey. Go ahead and do it. And they may feel as if, oh, I don't know. I'm like, nah, man, like, you got it. Like, you can do it. Okay. And now we just kind of discuss, okay, maybe you don't want to do it the exact way I'm telling you. So let's let's work together to see how you can take this step in a way that it's semi-comfortable for you, where it's not too overwhelming. But for me personally, and I know every therapist is different, I'm going to challenge and push my client to get uncomfortable and to do something that they, in their heart of hearts, they want to do, but because they, they've never done it before and because they're probably looking for a specific result and they don't feel as if they're going to get that result, they're hesitant on taking that step. And for me, honestly, I'm not looking for clients to take the step and to get it perfectly after the first couple of times. Right. I'm literally wanting them to take that step so they can have an experience so that they can see that, oh, it was not as bad as I thought it would be. Right. And then we can talk about that experience and start to extract the the lessons from it to build on for the next experience. Man, you must you I know you're really good at what you do because you be fucking people up. You be trying to break up their relationships, you be trying to challenge them, but you you keep your clients. I got people calling me like, yo, when y'all don't go be free. Yeah, because <laughs> a, a lot I know I know of a lot of other therapists that keep their clients on that hamster wheel. Yeah, you know what I mean. And look, it's not a perfect system. Not at all. You know, nothing in life is. So I always encourage people like you just got to try and find the, the people you know the person that matches you, and yeah. you could take one thing from one therapist and another thing from another. But I love the fact that you get your clients to be uncomfortable because to me that is a real life principle that not enough people really understand. No, you what did they say like you you can't get results being comfortable. If you want new results, you got to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you mentioned that because I have a couple one of the couples that I'm working with right now. Mm -hmm. Um man, I'm not going to lie. The sessions be intense because the guy has all these toxic beliefs about what a man should be, what a man should be doing, so on and so forth. But mm. I know all of that is just wrapped in uh, boyhood insecurity and stuff like that and just knowing mm. his family history. So the session before last, it was it was, it was was pretty intense, but it was a good intense. And when I say intense, it's like, it's like I, I put him in a corner where he had to sit with what he was feeling and thinking. 
Because wow. he, he just want to just go, oh, no, but this... I said, no, 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 no. I said, just sit in what I'm saying. He's trying to talk. I said, no, 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 no. You're doing it again. You don't have to talk because a lot of us don't realize when somebody tells you something and you don't really agree with it, you're trying to rebuttal so you don't sit in that, what they're saying. Mm. You're, not, you're not trying to allow it to simmer and rest in you. So I kept stopping like, no, no, no. no. So the next session... His fiance came through, but he ain't come through. And she was like, oh, you know, we just started yeah, the business. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yo, we just started the business. And, you know, he got tied up with the business. And that and that. I was like, oh, okay. But then I had a session with her because I like to have individual sessions with my clients. Right. Uh, when I do couples, I, I eventually do individual with them for one or two sessions. So as I, I was ending the session with her, I, I said, you know, it's hard for me not to believe that he didn't come because of the last session. Because he challenged him. Yeah, and she said, she was like, you know, he says he really likes you. Like, he really likes you. He likes, you know, your vibe and how you approach things, so on and so forth. But I do feel like the last session, you you did hit a sore spot. Mm. And I expressed her, I said, yeah, because if I'm not hitting sore spots, what are we really doing here? I'm not here... The all the the entire time I'm not here to validate how you feel. I'm not here to just validate your experience. That's not why I'm not. We're not just doing that. Like that's a part mm -hmm. of therapy because I have to understand you and you have to feel that I understand you in order for us to make progress. So I always lead with that, but we mm -hmm. can't stay there. All right. After after I understand you, after I gain your trust, after you trust me. And after I trust that you're actually committed to doing the work, then there comes a point in time where it, I'm gonna have to take the kid kid gloves off, and you're gonna get socked in the rib, and it's yeah. gonna hurt. But you're gonna have to straighten yourself up, you know, go mm -hmm. in your little corner, you know, straighten yourself up, mm -hmm. and come again, because right. that's how we break things down. That's how we break generational curses. That's how we stop self-sabotaging. That's how we get out of bad habits. This is how we prevent getting into terrible relationships. I have to challenge you. I yeah. have to. If I don't, I'm not doing my job. I'm not being fair to you. Right. And I can't give a damn how you feel. To be honest, I can't care how you feel. Because mm -hmm. if I'm caring about how you feel or if you're not going to come back, so on and so forth, then, man, I'm doing a disservice to you. Yep. Yeah, sometimes getting those whoopings in therapy feels like when the belt hits you in the back and you can't speak. <laughs> you, know that, you, know, you know that cry, that silent cry before you hit you like... Yeah. Exactly. Man, before we head out, um, do you have a therapy term for our audience? A little education? Uh, I have one in mind that you brought up the other day. Okay, tell me. You can ex explain to them what uh, epiology is. Excuse me? Damn, I got it wrong. Yeah, because I don't know what you're talking about right now. The 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 natural passing of bad habits from your parents in your DNA. Oh, um, epigenetics. Epigenetic. There you go. There you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, epiology, what the devil? Yeah. yeah. Epigenetics is a, it's, it's a thing that uh, we believe um, in the mental health field. I'm not everybody believes in it, but it's like if your parent, if you have a parent who has mm 
people's schizophrenia, most likely you or one of your siblings may develop schizophrenia down the line. Or mm. if you have a parent that has ADHD, most likely they say that one of your kids may end up having ADHD. It's like these mental health things are passed down mm-hmm. um, from one generation to the next. And you know, black families, we believe that because, you know, Uncle Charlie was crazy. So his son or his, you know what I'm saying? His his grandchild, he got little Uncle Charlie in. You know yeah. what I'm <laughs> so what, what, why would some in that community, the mental health community, not believe it? What is their argument? Um, I, you know, there's always debates in, in okay. every field. I just think that they, some people just don't believe in that study. They just don't believe okay. that's true. That's really what it is. You know, so. Yeah, I, I definitely believe it because I'm not saying that it's a definite, mm-hmm. right? Because I feel like a lot of times in society, when someone brings something to our attention or a study happens, we think, we we, we like to, it's the judgment in us. We like to say, oh, this this must be a definite. This is a clear. No, it's yeah. just a clarification. Yeah. It's to say is that, you know, so-and-so was a nutcase in layman's terms. So maybe two or three generations down, that remnant is being passed, right? Kanye yeah. is not just the only Kanye in his family. Oh boy, okay. Well, we'll, we'll see, because he got kids now, so he we'll got, see as they get older. You didn't, you didn't see his daughter check his mom the other day? I saw that. Oh! <laughs> oh! Yo, I, I don't beat my kids, but <laughs> she, was, she was about to get beaten. <laughs> I was about I to that. get that belt in the back. I saw that. <laughs> I was like, oh shoot, so Epi, that's it. Epi, that's it with Epi Janetti. Well, with that being said, man, I love you, bro. I appreciate you. Man, I love you, too, and appreciate you. And uh, until we part again, my brother. Yes, sir. Let's get it. Thank you so much for joining us. And before we go, I just want to remind you, the man that says he can and the man that says he can't are both right. Which one are you? By his father and mother, he was abandoned. With no concern for his safety, they left him stranded. A life of hurt was the very thing he was handed. My apologies, cause I'm about to be candid. Every way he went, he felt ashamed alone. And his explosive behavior made it be known. Walked around as if he wanted to be left alone. But he was really carrying the weight of being disowned.